Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Bunker. Pull down the blinds and encrypt your comms. Our fearless leader is on lockdown and back in his bunker after a long hiatus. He's providing his thoughts on the UFC, the state of MMA business, incriminating rumors, and the latest spicy headlines. Complete with the MMA tete-a-tete, featuring interviews with guests from the MMA community. Pay Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content if available at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, Kid Nate Wilcox. Hola, cage fighting connoisseurs. This is Kid Nate Wilcox of bloodyelbow.com. Once again, welcoming you back to the MMA Te-a-te, which I'm slowly but surely learning to pronounce. And this week's guest is Kareem Zidane of Bloody Elbow and many other publications. Kareem, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Nate. I think it's uh, long overdue that we have this chat, don't you? Yes, yes. Uh, We've been working together for what, a decade? Closing in on a decade now. Holy hell. (laughs) And I I think we've done six phone conversations in that whole time. So, yeah, it's... hours and hours worth of chats like scripts and scripts at this point's worth of chats yes yes we could write a book of our back and forths in text but let's just tell the whole kareem sedan story like how did you become an mma fan and then how did that lead you into mma journalism oh mma fans an odd one actually because uh i can't really i can't really trace it back too well now i remember i remember still being in egypt in high school when an american friend of mine who was at the american school who was also an amateur wrestler in school at the time he was being he's a proper high school wrestler and proper meathead at the time but he would hang out he'd keep showing me these fedor fights and all these big flips like him flipping kevin randleman and stuff like that like i remember seeing those clips on youtube but at the time i was thinking all right, well, this one Russian guy seems cool, but I'm not really into this. And it took a few more years. By the time I moved to Canada and went to the University of Toronto to study, the UFC was really taken off at the time. And I had a bunch of friends who were living on residence with me who were really into the UFC. So I started watching slowly. And I think the fight that really converted me at the time so I think Frank Mir and Czech Congo, because I looked at that fight, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this looks like Czech Congo's got this. I didn't know who either of them were. And then suddenly Frank Mir just choked him unconscious. And I was like, what, what did I just see in front of me? And that was, I think, the turning point. From then on, I don't think I really missed the UFC event. I eventually went on to start my own blog for a while. It's called The yeah. Flying MMA. And uh, honestly, the rest is history from there. As I came to graduate from university, it was around the time I, I was signing my bloody elbow contract. So you got me straight out of university. <laughs> That's how I like to get them young and naive and, and low paid. But uh, <laughs> that's we've tried to rectify that since then. But how did you become an actual man behind the mic for MMA events? So that's also a strange story, come to think of it. Uh, I was actually already working for Bloody Elbow at the time, but it was still my first year with Bloody Elbow. It was sometime in 2014, which was the year you you signed me on. And uh, I think I had written something about Fedor Emelianenko or something about him trying to sign with the UFC. This is back when we were still going through that, uh, the stage where he could potentially sign with the UFC. And I get a message from... 
uh, a PR person named Daria, who's, who happened to be working for MMA uh, for M1 Global at the time. And she's like, hey, you misspelled Vadim Finkelstein's name. Here's the actual spelling. And Vadim was uh, both the owner of M1 Global at the time and also managed Fedor and was notoriously hated by Dana White. And that's why his name was well known amongst MMA fans. <clears throat> so I said, sure, I'm happy to you know, fix that error. And at the same time, I jumped onto opportunity saying, hey, would you mind if I interview Vadim? And she said, sure, sure, let's set this up, no issues. So we ended up doing that interview. <clears throat> and in the middle of the interview, uh, Vadim just stops the interview at one point and says, I like your voice. Would you be interested in doing some commentary for us at M1 Global? We fly you out to Russia and you just do the English commentary with Ian Freeman, who was also a former UFC fighter. I remember being so taken aback by the offer. I said, can I think about it? And that's exactly what I did. And I thought to myself, well, I'm young in this MMA thing anyway. I don't really know where the future's taking me. I just got out of university. Let's give this a shot. I mean, who's, how often do you get an opportunity to just be flown out to Russia on somebody else's dime? And that was really it. It was just being able to say yes to these opportunities that really ended up shaping my journalistic career and my life moving forward. I couldn't have possibly known that it would have such an impact, but that's really how it began, Nate. It was as simple as uh, a spelling error and then <laughs> you and getting, and getting an opportunity. So it's really that strange. <laughs> that's a very bloody elbow story. Many of us. <laughs> our best things start out with a mistake. But so did you speak any Russian at that point? No, I, re I didn't speak any Russian. I, I knew almost nothing about Russia, which might be shocking to like the people who know me for that type of work now. But I honestly went there as a, as a true blank slate. I knew very little about Russia, and I just tried to embrace and absorb as much as I could. And people really took me in as soon as I arrived there. I, I mean, I was young. I was... Uh, uh, just just very green. And you could tell just me moving around, being very excited to be involved in the whole process of an MMA event and, and interviewing people and, and, and walking around and trying to learn as much as I could about the about the country and people would take me on these tours of the city. Hey, we'll take you out for lunch here. Hey, come, let's go see, you know, these different sites. And that's really how I picked everything up, starting to speak to Russian people, uh, hanging out with them, eating their meals, talking about history with them, politics, because I was always interested in politics. And that's really what sort of started getting me integrated into the country. And was this the first time, like when you did the announcing, were you literally sitting cage side? Oh, yes. I, I, we were right uh, right there at the front. And the very first event I did was with a uh, a Russian uh, was with actually, I think it was one of their matchmakers at the time who was who was uh, subbing in for Ian Freeman because Ian Freeman wasn't there that time for my very first event in 2014, which was in St. Petersburg. So they subbed in this other R Russian uh, commentator for the for that time. And I remember we were so close to the cage that at one point some droplets of blood came on my like new white shirt that I had worn for the occasion and I look at I look at them I'm like he got blood on me I'm surprised like I didn't know we were this close and he looks he's like yes isn't it amazing it's so great this fight's so violent I'm like oh boy okay <laughs> we're right here right cage side for sure yeah my first cage side experience was at Ultimate Warrior Challenge in Virginia I was judging some fights and it the, there was a little blood some blood landed on my scorecard but mm -hmm. it was really the thuds not even just of the punches, but of the footsteps. It was a heavyweight fight, I think. And they were th the way they were thundering around and it was shaking the table I was riding on um, really made an impression on me. You really get th – there's no substitute for being that close to the violence. And the, the taut canvas mat 
echoes, you know, the rumbling. There's a lot more vibration than it would be if they were just on like a wooden floor or something. It's 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 a very very intense and unusual experience. So, how many times did they bring you out to Russia? Oof, uh, I did Russia and like neighboring countries as well. So all in all, I'd say I did maybe 14 trips in in, in over two years, and I'd say maybe. 10, 11 of them were Russia. I ended up in Azerbaijan as well and a couple of other places. But it was primarily Russia. And we went we went all over Russia, Nate. Like, honestly, we went. I did maybe five trips to St. Petersburg, which honestly remains one of my favorite cities in the world. Truly, if you're if you're a person interested in culture and history and visiting museums and looking at arts and things like that, St. Petersburg has everything to offer from that to good food to beautiful sites. Really, really an extraordinary place. Uh, Moscow wasn't very much to my liking. I went there a few times as well. Just reminded me of uh, of Cairo, and I've had enough of Cairo anyway. If I want to be in Cairo, I can be in Cairo. So Moscow just reminded me a lot of that. I got because see- of the crowds or what? Just lots of crowds, and at the same time, you're you're in this massive mega city that. On, on, on the same street, you're seeing this incredible displays of wealth and these magnificent malls and restaurants while you're seeing immense poverty at the same time, right side by side. And there's this level of coldness in the city that you can only really experience in mega cities where people aren't really noticing anything else going on around them. That reminds me a lot of Cairo to an extent, just this mega sprawling city. And uh, that, that was... Uh, uh, part of the reason I really didn't appreciate it at all. Uh, that was always my experience with Moscow. Each time I went, it felt very ostentatious. We were always invited out to all these restaurants, and there was occasions where oligarchs were around, and it was just not never the never the city for me. Meanwhile, a place like Sochi, where we also went, was right on the beach. It was on the Black Sea. That was very much to my liking. I mean, I'm I'm very much a by the water type of human being. I grew up by the water. Egypt has two different uh, options when it comes to beaches and and seas. So I'm used to that. So Sochi was a place I really took in. Mountains and nature is another place. So when we ended up doing a trip to the North Caucasus to Ingushetia, which is a neighboring republic to Chechnya, a republic I ended up writing a lot about in the future. Uh, Ingushetia was another example of this really extraordinarily gorgeous place with lots of mountains uh, and, and lakes and uh, generally very nice uh, people in a way you will not experience in Moscow. And when did you start to suspect that all was not as, as it appeared on the surface? To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, Go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast Network production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Google Podcasts, MusicBee, RSS Radio, IMDB, and now also found in your app store on apps such as Downcast, the podcast app, iCatcher, PodCruncher, Podbean, and more. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including the Care Don't Care Podcast, 
the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not The Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Crooklyn's Corner, the Sixth Round Retro, the Show Money Podcast, the MMA Depressed Us, exclusive fighter interviews, and the return of the MMA Bunker.